we're kind of just like, wake up, fire drill, I'm here. And I guess I'm here to say that I think there should be more concrete boundaries than that for a healthy working relationship with our roles and association with being moms. If we can set that designated, you know, that time that our kids know that, hey, I am mom, I am mom, you know, and there's a saying in the mom world, like 24 seven moms never are off the clock, which I fully believe is true. We will never not be there for our kids. But there is a reason why in the corporate world, they create essentially, I'd say work boundaries. Hi, I'm Brooke Raybould. I'm a high achieving mama with a Georgetown MBA who said no to the corporate world and yes to herself. Trained by two of the top business schools in the country, I fell in love with entrepreneurship and embarked on the biggest startup of my life, my family. Drowning in diapers and laundry, I bootstrapped my way to building a six-figure online business where I was paid to be myself. And now I'm on a mission to help women ditch the mom memes and build the life they were created for. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom looking to optimize your routines and carve out a little something for yourself, or the savvy woman wanting to do it all, I will break down the systems and strategies that help busy moms get big results. Step on into my stay-at-home office and welcome to the At Home Startup Podcast. I am so excited to talk about what I'm going to talk about today because it was one of the bigger epiphanies that I had as a stay-at-home mom. Like I had this idea of wanting to be a mom and it was this dream and you know I would be the mom and I would be at home and I would have this family and these children and they'd run around the house and I'd cook dinner and you know it's always this peaceful kind of idyllic vision of what it was going to look like. I am also super against the mom culture that's trying to squash the dreams that young girls have when they're looking through the scope of that vision towards motherhood. And so I don't want to do that at all. Motherhood is, I'd say, beyond the dream that I had. I'd say it's way deeper Just those feelings are so much better than they were even in my imagination. And so the last thing I want to do is be part of the mom culture that tells young women, especially, or even women in the, you know, new mom zone that like motherhood is this thing, like you should not, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's so this, it's so that like motherhood is awesome. A motherhood is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me, period. But in the throes of new motherhood, that transition for me from a girl who went to uh, business school at USC and was in the entrepreneurship program to working at a Fortune 500 commercial real estate brokerage company to then going back to get my master's in business at Georgetown and then surprise getting pregnant in Georgetown. And then I was like, okay, I guess what am I going to do? And then I decided to be a stay-at-home mom post-graduation. That was important to me. But that transition was something I wish I had more resources for, (laughs) 
more help with. I wish there was a little bit of a guide. And the direction of my platform now is going there because I feel like there are so many women who have a hard time finding their rhythm within new motherhood. And if I can go back and be that helping hand to the new mom who's looking for something to help her out. And again, this has nothing to do with your children or motherhood, but just like anything else, when you go into a new job, um, and this is exactly where this podcast episode is going, it is so much more helpful when someone brings you you know, a guide that says, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. And I'm all about learning through experience. But when you're thrown into something brand new, someone giving you that guide is really helpful. And so that's what this episode is going to be about today, that helping hand and talking about looking back where I am now and the things that I've implemented and that light bulb moment that being a mom isn't that much different than being in a job. Um, And I know there's a knock on, well, being a mom like is not a job. It's, you know, it's, you know, this privilege and absolutely 150%. But what I've learned now in my seven years of motherhood is that you need structure as a mom. And I'd argue that you need to take the same practices that you, if you were in the workforce at one point or another, which I assume that you probably were, um, or at least if you were in academics, whether it was high school or college, that you take the same approach that you did then into motherhood. Um, And there's a reason why we have structure as people and within society is because structure creates routine. Routine creates I talk about these anticipatory circuits, again, that Dr. Huberman talks about. I love that word because our brains start to anticipate things. So if we have you know, a system and a structure, then we're going to start to understand more. Our brains are going to naturally know what we have to do. And so I'm a huge proponent within stay-at-home motherhood that it is a lot more like being on a job anywhere else, you know, like it is in the home. But when you become a stay-at-home mom, there's this willy-nilly, you're just kind of trying to learn this whole thing through experience. You're being thrown into a dimension that you aren't used to, especially with stay-at-home moms. It's really hard to find the stimulation to get you feeling like you're doing the right thing during the day. Um, I don't know if you're a stay-at-home mom and you can relate to that, but or you know, a working mom at those nighttime routines or the weekends where you're just like, what is like going on? Like, what are we kind of doing here? Which is part of the sweetness of that phase. But looking back and now as a creative business entrepreneur, I can't help but say that being a stay-at-home mom, the thing that I wish I knew out the gate was treating it more like a job. And for good reason, I think that women in general, we're going to college, you know, we're in college and universities even more. I think the percentages, at least when I was looking at Georgetown, like the women outweighed 
the men in a lot of these programs were uh, in the workforce. You know, that invitation was opened up. But weirdly enough, the percentage of women now uh, in 2000, I think it was reported 2021, is 57.4%. This figure was actually, um, it was higher than last year, but it was actually down 2.6 percentage points below the peak in 1999. And so what that communicates to me and kind of the origination of this podcast is I believe that there's a place for women who are leaning out of the workforce. You know, what happens then though? And I think it's that transition that a lot of women are scared of and like, what am I going to do if I stay at home? And I'm so used to this dynamic environment. So this is me right now saying, how then do you mimic that dynamic environment? I think one of the biggest complaints, again, stay-at-home moms has, how do I stay stimulated? How do I create that same dynamic environment? And that's what I want to talk about on this podcast today. How do you then treat being a stay-at-home mom like a job, um, the honorable, admirable job that it is. So I broke it down into five steps and I'm going to jump into that now. The first thing that I would implement as a stay-at-home mom and the thing that I implement now, especially with school-age kids, is that you have a designated start time of your day where you put your cap on, you know, your name tag on as mom. You know, I am mom at X o'clock. I am mom at 6.45 a.m. I am mom at 7 o'clock a.m. The problem is so similar to what happens in the work world or if you're an entrepreneur as well, is if you continue to... Uh, just burn the candle at both ends. You work 24 seven, your lights are always on, you're always available to your children. There really isn't a start time to your day and you're constantly giving of yourself. Whereas when you look at a job, there are designated hours. When I was in commercial real estate brokerage, I would get into the office pretty early at 7.30 a.m., And that's the time that I would be there. And that's the time that I was essentially on call to my employees, or excuse me, employees, employer, whomever. Before that, it's like I had some personal time. Yes, we want to give as much as we can to our jobs. And outside of those hours, you were certainly checking your email or tending to whatever needed to be tended to if it was maybe a spike in the real estate season, or you had to pick up for someone else. You, you know, we're tending to that, but in general, there's an hour in which you arrive and then taking care of you before those designated hours happen in the day. So let's say we set our mom time. I am now mom at 7 a.m., which is actually my mom time. But then that means the responsibility lays on me to get whatever it is I need to get done before myself, before I put on my mom uniform. So before I showed up to my job at CB Richard Ellis Commercial Real Estate Brokerage Company, you know, I would wake up at 5:45, I'd get a quick 20-minute jog in, I'd get my shower done, I'd get my makeup on, and I would be ready and dressed for work, show up at work 7:30 on the dot, ready to go. Yet as moms, we're kind of just like, wake up, 
fire drill, I'm here. And I guess I'm here to say that I think there should be more concrete boundaries than that for a healthy working relationship with our roles and association with being moms. If we can set that designated, you know, that time that our kids know that, hey, I am mom, I am mom, you know, and there's a saying in the mom world, like 24-7, moms never are off the clock, which I fully believe is true. We will never not be there for our kids. But there is a reason why in the corporate world, they create essentially, I'd say work boundaries, because if there aren't boundaries in place, people will push certain limits. Or I think the opposite can happen too, is if you don't have a start time to your day, then you're just going to sleep in and you're not going to show up. So I think it actually works both ways, which is why I think the happy medium is in that wake up time. But then as a mom, you need to be responsible for yourself, I guess, is outside of mom that you're taking care of yourself as an individual before your day starts as mom. So again, 7am is your start time as mom to be available to everyone. But for me, it's waking up at five or 5.30am, getting a little bit of gratitude practice. And I talk about this within my control variables, which you can go to, we'll put the episode in the show notes. This is like my me time. This is my pre mom day routine that I do to take care of me before I show up to work. Okay, moving on to the second point to treating being a stay-at-home mom like a job is getting yourself dressed for the day. And I guess I look back on my commercial real estate brokerage days that I can't imagine showing up to work with my hair in a bun, an oversized t-shirt, and sweatpants. I mean, I guess crazier things have happened. But to me, I took my job seriously. I would have gotten my workout in. I had that momentum going. I would show up at that 7.30 a.m. on the dot time presentable to then start my day on the right foot. And I talk about this often, like the importance of getting yourself ready for the day. I think so many things about it. Um, and professionally, it's like there's a reason why, like in the professional world, they want you to dress in professional attire. Not only does it put out a certain image to the world where people, in my opinion, have you know a certain level of respect for you, but when you look at yourself in the mirror, if I'm put together, I just feel like I have my stuff together. Morris. It does something to your psyche. And I fully and firmly believe that as moms, we could take note from this practice and get ourselves ready for our jobs. So that if our call time is 7am, and maybe it doesn't happen right then and there, but at least you could, you know, make a point that, you know, I'd argue that, yeah, by like that start work time that you're ready for the day so that you can then be there for your kids and you're ready to be there for them. And I've also talked about this before that I think stay-at-home moms, it's like an outward thing, but it's also an inward thing that we often struggle with, at least initially as a new mom, how we're perceived in the world. And even with our egos, maybe if you've been in the workforce or academics, and then you go into being a stay-at-home mom, I don't know if you ever 
went through that ego shift where you're just like, ah, like I feel like I owe something else. And to me, getting dressed and actually all of these practices are showing yourself that it's getting that pride back, um, that pride in yourself, that pride in your work, you know, that pride in everything, even your kids seeing you take pride in what it is that you do. And to me, getting dressed for the day is a representation of that. So that's the second part of treating being a stay-at-home mom like a job, getting yourself dressed for the day. There's a reason why they say dress for success. Yet as moms, we've kind of, you know, made our signature look like oversized t-shirts, sweatpants, and a messy bun, which I'm not above that. I realized that the more I did that as a mom, the messier, no pun intended, my life felt. Yet it was when I had my Instagram page actually, and my Instagram started to grow and I was on camera in front of thousands of women. It started to be, I started to get myself ready. And that's when I really felt the shift in my mom game that it was like, I had to do X, Y, and Z. I started to get back in this work schedule that I started to create for myself, even though I was a stay at home mom. And that's when I just really started to feel that stay-at-home mom environment become stimulating. Are you planning a Disney vacation in the future? If you're like most parents, you will probably wind up at either Disney World or Disneyland wearing matching mouse tees and having the time of your life. But don't make this mistake and ruin your Disney trip like I feel like I did the first time we went to Disneyland. I did zero research. We showed up late. I even forgot Vance's shoes and a stroller. I had no idea what to do and we walked into lines, crowds, overpriced food, and two parks that I did not understand. Fast forward a few years later and my boys were invited to go to Disney World, our family was, and I said, absolutely not. I do not want to go back to this park spending thousands and thousands of dollars to walk into this type of a situation. But in true parent fashion, I said yes. However, I became committed to cracking the Disney code. And what I discovered was an entire underground playbook of Disney World secrets. And I put all of that into a guide called a mom's guide to Disney world that helps families plan the Disney world vacation of their dreams. And most importantly, it provides you this underground playbook that'll help you bypass some of those hard things about Disney world, like crowds, lines, and overpriced everything. So in the show notes, you can find the link to the guide and I have a code for you. It is Disney discount. That'll give you $15 off. The guide is usually $40. It's actually quite higher than that, but this code will give you the guide for $25. And the guide is not just 80 pages. It is 200 pages full of itineraries, favorite restaurants in Disney, hotels to stay at, everything you need to know to dominate Disney. Okay, number three is outsourcing. And this is a big one in the work world that you hear about a lot. It was a big buzzword when I was in business school is outsourcing, delegating. You know, what is the benefit to a corporation for outsourcing certain parts of their business to someone else versus internally taking care of 
what it is that needs to be taken care of. And a lot of that comes from the core values of the company. And that will actually lead into, you know, another point I have, which is creating a mission statement, a vision and core values for your family. But we're not going to talk about that today, even though that goes hand in hand with this topic. But outsourcing in business and the reason why companies outsource is they realize that someone else can do the job better than they can outside of their company. And that exchange, um, usually it's a monetary exchange, works better for both individual entities. So it works better for the corporation because now they're not having to do something that really isn't even a part of their core competency, um, but they're paying someone who can do something better than they can. And when it comes to the world of being a stay-at-home mom, I understand why we don't outsource. I understand why it is hard to get a babysitter at times. I understand why getting a housekeeper is hard at times. And Ryan and I, you know, when we first got married, we couldn't afford a housekeeper and we didn't have one. And even when I, you know, really begged for one and we financially pulled it together, I made a point that that would be a part of what I would then outsource. And even a babysitter for me, when I had two young kids under two and I fell into postpartum depression, I still refused to get a babysitter. It was my parents who stepped in and said, look, you're kind of drowning here. Can we at least give you, you know, a little bit of time to just get your head on straight and relax a little bit? And they basically had to force me to outsource. And again, I understand why families don't. If it comes to money, I I understand. I I think that that's a reason why, especially me as a, a solopreneur for so long, which is why I did not outsource a lot of my business to anyone because I wanted, you know, I couldn't afford that. But I think there comes a time when possibly it can happen, or let me present this option to you as well. It's like a shift in a mindset. It's maybe I could focus on creating an extra income for myself, doing something that I actually really love. Because for me personally, I don't love cleaning my house. I love making the bed. I like organizing, but I don't really love cleaning. And so it was the shift. Can I do something I love like work-wise? And maybe that time that I spend and you know the money that I then make, could I then have a value exchange to then pay someone, a housekeeper to come in to then take care of the things that I personally don't like to do. So then I'm actually doing something I love. I'm earning income and then I'm, it's a value exchange for the housekeeper who's supporting her. I'm saying her, we have a female housekeeper, her family, and she needs that business. So it's almost like a win-win. Uh, I understand that it's hard to get to that place and it's like the cart before the horse or some women don't want to do that. But I think that as a stay-at-home mom, there's so much like guilt around outsourcing. I have a girlfriend, she has six now now six children, and she realized that she, I just can't do the laundry. She's like, it is so overwhelming. So she and her husband set, a, set aside a portion of their income. And every week, I think on Fridays, they have someone come in and do the laundry. 
And again, I know it's not feasible, but if you get creative, uh, I think as a lot of businesses do, if you start to get in that entrepreneurial business mindset, like how can I start outsourcing some of the things that I don't like to do to then free me up to spend that quality time with my kids? And again, some with a babysitter, it's like maybe you're not getting that time with their spouse. Maybe you're not getting that time for yourself. It's hard because as moms, we don't treat our role as mom as a business because there's so much emotion involved in in that. And that's part of the beautiful thing about being a mother is that it's not a job and I'm not here to create these rigid boundaries, but instead to draw upon what corporations have done to be successful so that we may implement some of the practices so that we're feeling better. Let's get creative and figure out how to empower ourselves so that we can outsource some of those things so that we're then doing a better job. And I think I think it's getting rid of the notion that doing it all makes you a superior parent. I learned that so hardcore in entrepreneurship that I'm like, I have to do it all. Like with my Instagram business that I run, I have to, I can't give my money to someone to help me. It was like this whole crazy idea that I was like, there's no way I'm giving any part of my business away. And I liken that to how we are as moms. It's like, I'm not giving any part of my babies away to anyone, or I'm not giving the, how how could I do that? No one can do it like I can. And what you'll come to realize is that if you find the right people, they will make your life infinitely easier. And then let's see, going into point number four, Ryan and I just started doing this today. I wished we would have, I say today as if I have credibility for even talking about it, but I had to put it in here because it was so profound. I told Ryan, I'm like, I really want to record this because I think this is such a game changer. And as a mom to four young kids with you know, a schedule of my own, a husband who has a schedule of his own, four kids who feel like sometimes they're going in completely different directions, how do we keep track of things? How do we show up Like we have our stuff together. And I'm going to be honest with the new baby last school year, I felt like I was floundering, which is a season of life that I certainly have grace for. But how can we be more proactive about that? And this morning we sat down and we said, Sunday meetings. It's something that actually popped up on my Instagram feed. Brenda Bouchard is big in the personal development space. And he had a reel that popped up. And he said, if you're going to do anything before you start your week, it's Sunday, sit down, go through what it is you have to get done and just get organized with yourself. And it was like, so helpful to sit down this morning. Maybe you want to do it Sunday night. I'll tell you why I do it Sunday morning and to go through our plan like crazy. And I'm going to pull the schedule over here so that I can go through it a bit. I had a Google Doc open on my laptop. We were sitting there having coffee. The kids were coming in and out of the room, you know, sometimes crazier than other times. But Ryan and I really sat down and said, let's get organized. You know, what's going on this coming week? Putting it into a Google Doc. I then printed it out and we will keep it on the fridge. I know there are so many other methods to doing this. 
but I am not good with a calendar because then Ryan can't see it virtually. We're not huge proponents of virtual calendars because I'm a mom and sometimes I'm not at my computer. Like I need it in the kitchen where with four boys, we are 24 seven. And so this document's going up there. I also did a weekly dinner schedule. So, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're doing family meals. uh, And then Tuesday, Thursday are sports nights. So that means a little bit easier kid meals. And then Ryan and I have a little bit later dinner. So it's really ironing out like what is happening and then what are we going to do about it? When I had then, and we actually included the boys, what do you guys like to eat as a family? Will you like Korean chicken and rice, chicken tenders? What vegetables do you like that? So we planned all of that out. And then I actually went into the boys uh, lunch. So it's kind of just like covering all the bases for things that need to be talked about. We went into the kids like, what do you want for lunch? What does an ideal lunch look like, a school lunch look like for you? I then added all of that to the grocery list. So we're going to recap what the kids like for lunches and then plan out the dinners. Then I have the whole grocery list, which I will then place for a grocery pickup. And I'll have it all done for Sunday. And then Sunday, I'll prep any berries or anything that needs to be prepped. I also wrote it. You know what? I'm just going to attach this document in the show notes so that you have an example of it. Very easy Google Doc. Every Sunday, it says grocery order for the week, meal plan for the week, calendar plan for the week, prep food and snacks for the week. As simple as that, a little business practice, and you are ready to roll and you're organized, treating your role as a mom, like a job. I remember when I was in commercial real estate at CBRE every morning, every Monday morning, we had a meeting and it was, you know, we had an agenda and it was just on a simple document like I have here. And we just rolled through and each time it was updated and changed and things were shifted around if they weren't taken care of. Um, But it's amazing how something like that keeps you on track. And I guess my advice would be is like, keep it easy. Don't think you have to go out and buy the cutest calendar that you then hang and then you erase it. A girlfriend of mine does do laminated grocery lists and dinner plans, which I think that's great. It totally works for her. For me, a simple Google Doc that I can type out, print, tape onto the refrigerator. It might not look aesthetically beautiful, but it gets the job done. Okay, the last... And final point is to have an end time. This goes with the first point to tie it all together. If we don't create, again, boundaries around our day as parents, we will burn out. Ryan and I realize this infinitely when we're a little bit more lax with the bedtimes and all of a sudden three days roll by and we've let 8.45 p.m. bedtimes be the expected Thing to go. And then we realize that we're losing our temper, not only with our kids, but with each other. So this is simply a measure, again, creating these boundaries, I'd say a wake up time where, okay, guys, I'm mom. And then to an end time, okay, guys, you know, with our kids, it is like a am off the clock. You know, Ryan actually says that we are off the clock, because if we don't create a boundary around this, we will burn out as parents and we will then be worse parents to our children. So for us, for me, an ideal time for an end time is 7.30 p.m. It's going to be different depending on your kids' ages and many different factors, maybe a spouse coming home at a certain time. 
But for us, it's like 730 in our home is the time that the kids should be to bed and Ryan and I are officially off the clock. So of course we have hearts for our children. And if, you know, last night Bowden came down and he wanted some milk and he's going to be three, but we're hyper aware that if we allow this to be the norm, you know, if we continually allow a child to come down, that uh, we will be burnt out. And there's a happy balance between wanting to allow for those sweet moments and letting them take over your life so that you're then not operating in full capacity at a capacity that you should be to then be able to pour into your kids. So I'm not going to create, you know, tell you what that is for you. I like keeping it a structured workday because that's habitually what I'm used to. So having that 7 a.m. start time, that 7.30 p.m. end time, getting myself ready and taken care of before I show up for work as a mom that day. That means getting myself dressed, um, having those Sunday weekly meetings and being okay with outsourcing things so that I can be a better mom to my kids. But I hope you enjoyed this episode today. Remember that sometimes you just have to switch out the playbook until next time on the at home startup podcast.